Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast, where we talk about whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. I'm Lisa Lang, here with my husband, David, and we're learning how to pray the Lord's Prayer. You may want to go back and catch up on some of our other podcasts if you've missed out because we're doing a series here. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 is where we're at today. Give us today our daily bread. Um, Right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. So today we move from the grand to the practical. And I love that God gets that. I love that this line is stuck right in the middle of the prayer, in between these great big spiritual themes. You know, last week we covered your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And next time we'll talk about forgive us our debts. Those are big spiritual Bible themes, but right in the middle, God, we're hungry. We need food. We need bread today. This is stuck right in the middle of the prayer, kind of like us. We are stuck in the middle here in life. We're made in the image of God, bound for an eternal heavenly existence. But here today, at the moment, we're stuck in these very needy physical bodies. And if you've ever cared for a newborn baby, you get it. Right, Lisa? You mm-hmm. have uh, birthed yep. three of them. Yes. And um, <laughs> I tried to help um, <laughs> when they were babies, but much of it uh, yeah. probably fell to you. Uh, I tried to support. <laughs> but, you know, think about a, a newborn baby. They have these profound physical needs. You know, what if we had just told our our kids, our babies, when they were little, uh, oh, you're crying in your crib. You know what? It's okay. I'll be in the other room. I'm going to pray for you. I'll be over here reading the Bible for you. Um, How long can they really last without physical care? I was blown away, probably more than Lisa was as a man here, with the fact that they needed help with everything. Like, I don't think I was ready for that. They can't do anything on their own. I knew they would need help with like, you know, being given food. But, uh, oh, changing the diapers. Oh, my goodness. And then... They can't even like go to sleep without help. Like they need someone to rock them and cuddle them to sleep. Um, And, and, you know, they they just need help. And most of what they need help with when they're babies is very physical, tangible, tactile tasks or else they'll die. Right. (laughs) Like quickly, within a few hours. (laughs) Um, That's what I learned as an unprepared husband. And so like babies, we have needs, physical needs. And what I love here is God wants to hear about them. So let's go. Let's dig in. Let's see what are we talking about in this part of the Lord's Prayer. What are, what are we praying about? We want to read a story to you guys. Exodus chapter 16, um, in verse, starting in verse 1, story about the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert when they came out of Egypt. Um, I'll read this first part, and then, Lisa, maybe you can read the second part. Verse 1, Exodus 16 says, mm. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. Never good when you're in the desert of sin. You ever been there? (laughs) Which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they came out of Egypt. 
In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. All right. So they come out of the desert. Um, God had done so much. I'm sorry. They come into the desert. God had done so much for them already to get them out of slavery. And yet they grumbled. It's like, it's easy to judge them. Like, Mm. man, what's wrong with you guys? God has done so much. But then you realize, well, they're, they're in a desert. They're angry, hot and hungry. They're hangry. Um, And and I, I get that way. Yeah. Uh, when I've been out doing my landscaping job or whatever, yep. I, you know, I come in, I'm hot, and I'm like, "Where's the food?" Um, <laughs> we can see big miracles of God just like they did. We can have a great spiritual, you know, these great spiritual experiences. But let me tell you, when our physical needs begin to loom large, all that can quickly go out the window. When we lose a job or a loved one. When we're stretched thin, about to break, let me tell you, those warm, fuzzy spiritual feelings tend to go out Mm, the window. Those nice sermons that preachers like me, you know, encourage you with on Sundays, the, when the Mm. band was cranking and, you know, that everyone was raising their hands and happy to praise Jesus, that goes out the window when you're out in the desert of sin Mm. and it's hot and you're hungry. Cause at the end of the day, we're still physical creatures with very real, physical needs. And just like the Israelites, we quickly grumble when we go through our days in the desert. But we're going to see how God provides. Lisa's going to read this next part of the story here. All right. Verse nine. Then Moses said, said, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) let's try that again. Verse nine. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Mm. The Lord told Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Mm. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Okay. Um, Great story. We know this story well. Here's what I want to point out. And and Lisa, I want to get your thoughts. I know you have Mm. some thoughts on this. So two lines really stood out to me here in verse 16 and verse 18. 
Both times it says, as much as they need, or just as much as they needed. Mm. I think that may be the key for this part of the Lord's prayers. We're learning how to pray, give us today our daily bread. Here's the question. Why give them only enough for that day? And Lisa, I'll let you, what what do you, you can respond to that. I know you've got some thoughts here. Yeah. You know, I was wondering what would have happened if God hadn't made the manna spoil the next day? Right. I mean, there were people that, that didn't, they paid no attention to Moses and they just held on to the manna. Um, And (laughs) they found out the next day, rude awakening, maggots. Uh, and stink and ugh, gross. Um, you know, there there would have probably have been some people um, if God hadn't given them any specific instructions as to how much to gather. There would have been some people who worked really hard and fast to gather as much as they possibly could. Oh yeah. And you know, think about it. I mean, don't they deserve to get mm. more manna? They worked <laughs> so hard. I mean, certainly the ones who were lazy and didn't feel like going out in the hot sun to hunt quail and pick up the food and the manna shouldn't get some of my manna because I worked really hard to collect it. Okay, so I see that point. But why did those who worked really hard to collect as much as they possibly could gather more than they needed in the first place? Why would anyone gather more than they needed? And what was God trying to teach them? See, there would have been people that worked really hard to collect as much as they could. And there would have been people who were lazy and didn't feel like working hard and barely got what they needed. Mm -hmm. But then there were also be those who were disabled, those who were old, those who weren't capable of gathering what they needed. And who was looking out for them? The ones who had worked hard and gathered a lot, who were they gathering for? Were they thinking of these people? Were they gathering extra so that they could give to the poor and needy? Or were they gathering extra so that they could eat to their heart's content and get full and then not have to worry the next day about whether they would eat or not? See, I identify with that kind of thinking As an American, Mm. it is in my nature to want to earn and save as much as I can so I can eat to my heart's content, buy nice things that I want, and I don't have to worry about whether I will have enough money for tomorrow. I don't work hard and save as much as I can to help those less fortunate than me who aren't capable of earning as much as me. That is usually not the first inclination of my heart. And I'm just being real right here. Now, as a disciple of Jesus, I've learned learned and grown to be more generous, but in all honesty, in my sinful nature, it's not the first thing I think about. And God knew this about the hearts of his people. Some would be generous, but for many of us, it's not in our nature to work hard, to gather extra, to help those in need. God made sure there was enough for everyone to eat, but no one had more than they needed. Why would someone have more than they needed anyway? Is there a godly reason to have more than you need? (laughs) Imagine what the world would be like if no one had more than they needed. Mm. Imagine that for a minute. 
I mean, in reality, world hunger would be solved. There's enough food on this planet for everyone to eat and have enough. Poverty. That would probably be mostly solved. I mean, probably mostly if if everything went around and everybody had what they needed. There is enough of everything to go around for everyone. The problem is greed, and it's ingrained in who we are. It's in our sinful nature. Mm. You know, right now in Myrtle Beach and up and down the East Coast, there is a gas shortage going on. Um, And I won't get into that. Yes. Um, And what I, I read some news articles about it, and what they were saying is, look, people, take it easy, calm down. If everyone only gets the gas that they need, we will not have a problem. That's right. If everyone just go and get gas, like there's not a shortage, shortage when you need it, there should be enough gas for everyone. That is what the experts have said. The problem is when people start to hoard, there isn't enough to go around. And apparently, that is what's going on from oh, yeah. what I've heard. Oh, yeah. David, have you read some about well, this? I don't know. If it, I saw you know people posting pictures of people like filling up plastic bins in their trunk with gas, or even plastic bags. I'm like, maybe those were doctored up pictures, but right, that's just a bad idea generally. Right. Not to mention just foolish and greedy. Right. Well, and there's you know on like crazy long lines. Oh yeah. For all the gas stations and stations people and out. stations running out. So if that's happening, we know that people are freaking out and they're getting gas when they don't need it and getting more than they need. Like and the that's when we have a problem. Like the toilet paper to bring it up again. COVID. Apparently, I talked too much about the toilet paper issue, but that is what <laughs> happened. Um, but you know, I think it's really ingrained in us sometimes, even from a child. I mean, I remember as a child. You know, someone would bring out cake and I'd check and see which piece was the biggest. And that was the one that I would grab. Oh, and yeah, you always got to do that. I, Scope it out. Right. I was always very, very concerned that I would get enough of these frosting flowers that were on the cake. I wanted <laughs> ah, to make sure that I got... I didn't like those. Uh, I, I loved mine. those. I Someone wanted to married. eat them all and then I would feel sick. You know, the question that I need to ask myself here and that we need to ask ourselves is, why do I have more than I need? Is there greed in my heart? So remember the prayer. Let's bring it back to prayer and the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. That's the prayer Jesus instructs us to pray. Not give me a truckload of bread to keep me stuffed for a lifetime. No, give me enough bread for today. I think what this part of the prayer has to do with that we're going to spend the rest of, of our time today talking about is two things, contentment, contentment and confidence. Where would God's people find their contentment and where would they place their confidence? That's what the Israelites were dealing with and what God was dealing with in his people. Listen to this. Later in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14, listen to this. God says this, Then your heart will become proud, And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of 
hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which we sw- he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Okay, it says, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who gave you the manna. They would forget where their provision came from, where their confidence came, and they would begin to place their confidence in themselves. So in this part of the prayer, give us today our daily bread. Part of what we're praying about is, where is my confidence today? Is it in myself today? Or is it's a reminder in this part of the prayer, God, my confidence is in you. My provision is from you. This part of the Lord's prayer is is a daily reminder of where our help is going to come from for the rest of that day, where our bread comes from. Of course, we think, oh, we'll never forget God. Obviously, he's our confidence. I'm a Christian, but let's not be too hasty. I can tell you a surefire indicator of where you've been placing your confidence lately. How has your prayer life been? How has your prayer life been? This is so challenging to me. When the days begin to go by and I realize I'm not praying. I'm not walking in prayer. If we're not praying, there's a very good chance our confidence is not in God. If we're living prayerfully, there's a very good chance our confidence is in God. But He may only provide enough. Listen to this. That's what he did for them, right? He only gave them enough manna for the day. Listen to Proverbs chapter 30, verse seven through nine. This is one of the Proverbs that my wife has shared with me a number of times because I I tend to be a worrier about money and is there gonna be enough for the family? Listen, Proverbs 30, seven to nine. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Lisa, you've you've shared this scripture with me a number of times. You want to... Mm-hmm talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember times in our life when money has been tight and it's tempted, tempting to feel like, boy, you know, why, why am I going through this? Right. And, um, I remember this, you know, every time that money has been tight, we've never been without what we need. And, um, that's what I always come back to. Well, we have what we need, so we're really fine. And, um, the problem is that, I always find myself 
wanting more than I have. Um, some of it, I think, is my creative nature. Um, I always am thinking on ways to improve things, but mm-hmm. probably the majority is my lack of contentment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's ingrained into our culture as Americans. You know, um, Lowe's motto, you know, Lowe's, the home improvement store, is never stop improving. Yeah, <laughs> never good. stop improving. Um, but what that means is never be content right. with your home right. the way that it is. Right. You know, I mean, home improvement shows. I love watching HGTV and all these home improvement shows. But what it makes you feel like, oh, my house isn't good enough. I need a new this. I need to remodel this. Oh, I remember a few times we were like, babe, we need to stop watching HGTV. (laughs) Right, right. Because you just feel like, oh, I guess I do need to redo my bathroom. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, even in TV and movies, they show average quote unquote average American people that live in these like nearly million dollar homes in reality, like they, they make you think they're average, but they're really not, you know, um, even in Myrtle beach, I mean, everything here is new. Um, you know, people, people can move here and lots of people do because they can get a brand new home for, Really, the same price that you could get in an older home. So why not go brand new? Well, maybe not now. Housing well, is right, right. <laughs> but at least it, you know, it it was that way yes. um, at least a year ago. Um, you know, I was thinking about my even my own things, even simple things like some people in the world just want a coat to keep them warm. I have like five coats and I really just wear two of them. And I got a new one this year because I was just tired of the one last year. Um, You know, I remember back to when David and I were newly married uh, and we really didn't have much. I mean, even for for Americans, um, I would say we didn't have much. We didn't have a couch and we didn't have money for a couch. We lived in about five or 600 square feet. It was all one room. It was like a loft. And again, for Americans, that's that's pretty tiny. We were loving it. Someone gave, if you remember, someone gave us their old black fake leather couch. Oh, I um, and it was actually in good shape. And we yeah. were very happy to have that couch. Um, you know, but eventually we had enough money and we bought a couch. And now we're on like, I think our third couch. Um, now I will say the last couch we did own for about 10 years and we kept it even though I think three separate children um, peed on it. Oh, but, um, <laughs> But uh, now we have a new couch that has never been peed on. Okay, anyone that comes to our house. Um, But I will say, I mean, to confess my own discontentment here, um, I like the way my couch looks, but it's just not as comfortable as the old couch. And uh, David sits in his recliner chair because he doesn't think the couch is comfortable for his back. So I found myself wanting another couch and I don't need another couch. Um, And we don't even have money for a new couch. But um, my heart just isn't content. And uh, I think this is the way we are about a lot of things in our life. So give us today our daily bread we have to focus on the words of the prayer. Give give me my daily bread, God. Will we be content with enough to get through today? Or are we wanting to get rich? Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 9, that if, if we're wanting to get rich, those who want to get rich, they fall into a trap. Mm. Let's learn from Paul, okay? Paul, I want to show you a few, few verses from the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, here is a man who learned to be content. He learned this lesson so well. And I do believe that it it was largely because of his prayer life. 
Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says, as, as he's in prison, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We present our requests. The way, and and then we find peace. See, the way to peace, listen to this, guys. And And we're bringing it back to the Lord's Prayer here. The way to peace, to that contentment, is petitioning prayer. I am a worrier. Okay. And I remember it was just, just a, a couple weeks ago. I, I felt like beset by anxiety multiple mornings when I, when I woke up for whatever reason. But, but each day I just had to like pray through it. Sometimes I have to make a list of all my, my prayers, my petitions, my concerns, my worries. Just make a list and I just, you know, whatever's bothering me and I just present it to God. I just write it down in my quiet time journal. Actually, I haven't done that in a while. I probably need to do that more often. But bring it to God. Bring your petitions to God in prayer. That's what we do in this part of the Lord's Prayer. We go through our list, all of our needs, all of our petitions. How many of our day-to-day calendar items, scheduling things, concerns, decisions, you know, oh, I got to deal with this. We just, we roll through our days making decisions, worrying about things, knocking things out, taking care of the to-do list. But how many of those things have actually been prayed through? I mean, to my shame, I mean, there's just so many aspects of my daily bread need needs that don't get prayed through. I'm trying to work on that, like bringing mm. these things to God at the beginning of each day, throughout the day, when I go to bed, let bathing everything in prayer because the Lord is near, but I've got to bring the petitions to God. Now it does say with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Look at this a few verses later, Philippians 4 verse 10, Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned it. It's a learned trait. But we got to learn it. And we're going to learn it, I believe, primarily through working through it in our prayer life. But then Paul goes on. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the earlier days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul had real needs He was in prison. He needed food. He needed sustenance. But Paul found real contentment and God sent him real provisions through his people 
and through his prayers. I do believe, guys, prayer is the path to learning this lesson of contentment. This is a battle for me. I have some angsty Gen X tendencies. <laughs> we are the generation of grunge rock. Yep. We literally created a music genre based on whining. <laughs> We've been listening to Weezer lately. Gotta love some Weezer. Oh, yeah. um, you know, Nirvana, like all these bands, like, I love it. It's awesome. But man, it's a lot of it's like about like, why is my life so sucky? You know, and it's like, good grief. But hey, I love that music. The other morning, as I was preparing this talk, I just took a moment to to collect myself and I was praying in the backyard. It's beautiful morning. And I was reminded of what Jesus said about birds. There was like a huge chorus of birds out there in the woods behind our house, just filling the forest with their singing. And I thought about how God cares for them. Jesus said, are we not much more valuable than them? And God takes care of them. Paul got it. Paul was like, hey, I'm in prison because I was preaching the gospel. I'm hungry. I'm in need. God will provide for me. I'm more valuable than a bird. <laughs> Look what he said in Philippians 3 and verse 4 about confidence. He He's like, look, I have reasons for such confidence, confidence in the flesh. He says, if, you know, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he goes and he gives his, like his Jewish resume. Okay. Um, and he's like, look, I was an impressive guy from a Jewish standpoint, but he says, but verse seven, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, my confidence is not in my resume, not in my ability to produce, not in my own talents. My confidence is in Christ. I'm learning how much pressure I put on myself to get it right. I have this illusion of control. And so something I learned from a, a, my dear brother uh, who, who gave me some, some counseling sessions last year is sometimes I need to make a list of all my concerns and my worries and then categorize them. What are the things that I control on one side and what are the things I can influence on the other side? And I realize when I make that list, there are actually very few things that can be absolutely controlled by me. In fact, even God doesn't try to do that. He gives free will. <laughs> but I can have influence. And so what can I do to influence? Let me do that. Then I give the control part over to God in prayer because he is my confidence. Christ is my confidence. Paul says in Philippians 1.19, listen to this. This is huge. Philippians 1 verse 19, he says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, he's in, in prison. Did you catch it? I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what's happened will turn out for my deliverance. Through prayer? and through God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus. Believe it. 
we need to believe this. The greatest influence you wield is through prayer. Mm -hmm. We have to learn to work through our life, our daily bread, our needs, our worries, our concerns. We work through it first in prayer. That's where I have the greatest influence. There's not a lot I can control. There's many things I can influence, but my greatest influence is prayer. So when we pray, give us today our daily bread, we really mean it. We come to God every day in prayer to receive our portion for the day. We present our specific requests, needs, and petitions. And we're also mindful of others' needs. We pray for their daily bread. Perhaps we are the answer to someone else's plea for daily bread, just as the Philippians were the answer to Paul's need in his prayers here. They help provide for his needs. So are we, are we praying for other people's daily bread too? All right, we got to bring it in for a closing. I want you to remember what Jesus said when he was hungry and Satan was tempting him. He quoted the Bible and he referenced the story that we began with about manna in the desert. And he said how God humbled you. It says in Deuteronomy 8, God humbled you, causing you to hunger, feeding you with manna. And he said, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Remember, we better stay in the word. That is our daily bread. Feed on the word of God. If you haven't been in the word lately, I can almost guarantee you've been struggling with putting your, your full confidence in God. And you're probably having a hard time being content in God. The word is our sustenance for the soul. You ever feel like your soul is getting worn out, like Bilbo said, like butter spread over, you know, too little butter spread over too much bread? Mm. It's amazing what the Word of God can do. But remember more, who was the Word in the flesh? John 1 tells us it was Jesus. He was the living, breathing, walking, talking Word of God. So get this, Jesus declared in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Church, Jesus is our daily bread. Bring your hunger to him every day in prayer. You will be satisfied. Your good shepherd, Jesus, he will tend to your needs. He will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside quiet waters. He will refresh and restore your soul, but you gotta let him. You have to come to Jesus as your shepherd each day in prayer saying, give me my daily bread, Jesus. And he will. Paul got it. He talked about in Philippians the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, in Philippians 3. For whose sake I've lost all things. I want to know Christ, he said. Church, is Jesus the bread that you want most? Is he the bread that you hunger for the most? For more of him in your life, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus he is our daily bread. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We do hunger in this life. We do thirst. We get sick. We grow hungry sometimes. We need, we ache, we hurt. We struggle along sometimes to make ends meet for our families. We feel the candle burning at both ends. We cry out in prayer sometimes for our daily bread. Just enough for today. And you know what? Jesus cares and he will fill us. 
with enough for our daily bread. It is so true. The more I focus on God and all he has to give me, the Mm. way that he fills me up, the way he meets all my needs, the less I think about all the things that I want Mm. that I don't need. And um, the more I realize that I really do have everything I need. And God, God completely meets all my needs, even my physical needs. He always provides. And when I look back on my life, that's what I see, a history of God providing for me again and again. Amen. And He will provide enough today for our daily bread. We'll see you next time on the Such Things podcast as we get into one of our greatest needs, prayers for forgiveness. We'll see you then. Thanks for being here. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.